You're listening to the Just Jazz and Co podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what of ambitious careers with me, Just Jazz, and many guests. I'm a multi-passionate, wildly ambitious lover of tea and R&B. I'm also on a mission to guide more high achievers to the careers and lives they deeply desire through coaching. Yep, you heard me. Desire. No shame or secrets about it. Here, we boldly embrace ambition by owning, being, and doing more in our careers. And in each episode, we break down the barriers to creating something that will make you and everyone you know step back in awe while keeping it simple. So what are you waiting for? Let's dive into the episode. Hi folks and welcome to this week's episode of the Just Jazz and Co podcast. Today I'm really excited, really looking forward to introducing you to another guest, another ambitious guest. Today I have Melanie Alvarenga. Hi Melanie. Hi Jazz, uh, lovely to be here. Thank you so much for having me um, on your podcast. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Um, we have been in each other's orbit for a little while. Um, and was it beginning of the year? It probably was even further back than that. Um, as I was tucking into a lot around burnout, there were quite a few of us kind of in the space helping people with burnout where I thought, okay, let's have a conversation. So definitely spoiler alert, folks, we're going to talk about burnout at some point, but as with most of my guests, we're really going to tuck into your own career journey and your lessons learned. So without further ado, can you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Um, Hi, everyone. I'm Melanie Alvaranga, and um, I have had a really interesting journey. I think it's interesting anyway. Um, I am the current founder of... um, Room to Exhale, which is a coaching service that I have. Um, But I am also uh, working and I am a clinical perfusionist working for the NHS, uh, heart bypass surgeries, what that entails. And um, I'm currently at this moment working in the wellbeing space, so looking at staff wellbeing. So um, I feel like I've come full circle and um, I feel like I'm in the best place ever at the moment. So, yeah, really looking forward to to unpacking that. Yeah, amazing. And thank you so much for sharing all the different parts of you, right? Because that's one thing that we have in common. We work as well as running our businesses and our movements in that sense. What started off your journey into healthcare and, and now well-being? What was that like for you? So, um I've always had um, an interest in healthcare and I've always had an interest in wellbeing. It's it's almost like there's two parts to me. Um, so my career in healthcare started off um, mainly with perfusion and it's quite a specialist role doing heart bypass uh, surgery, running the heart-lung bypass machine for that. So it's really technical, really uh, specific, but that's the science part of me. And it also, mm. um, helped with the nurturing part of me as well, because you're still helping and nurturing, uh, patients, uh, even though patients probably don't realize you're there doing <laughs> because they're asleep yeah. in the theater, but it's so complex, but that was my contribution to that. And that's where I felt that 
I fitted because I was very much um, technical, science orientated, but also had that health, caring, nurturing side of me and really wanted um, something that blended the both. So when I stumbled upon perfusion, because it's not a profession that everybody hears about, actually, when I stumbled across it, I thought this was a great fit for me and which it Mm. was and I've done it for over 20 years now so it's like you know it's really served me well as a career and I have really enjoyed the levels to that career and developing as well um in the early stages of it I'll just say this but in the early stages of it it wasn't necessarily a profession that women women would go to because it was very much a man's world in that scientific element and you know because it does involve managing machinery for the heart lung bypass machine so it wasn't really dominated by females but I'm pleased to say now 20 some years later there are a lot of females in the profession and it is one of those professions that are becoming more and more popular as you get into the science healthcare world but still can be slightly um unknown i'll say yeah yeah definitely niche and i love that you explained what it is right because when we embark on our careers we're in a bubble and that bubble's informed by maybe what our parents do aunts and uncles do heck cousins if you've got older cousins in the world of work what they do And there's always that day one where you hear about something and it's so important to take that curiosity and go, what is that? What is the day-to-day? What are the skills of that? Because otherwise we stay quite limited and we just think we're only capable of what we've seen other people do. And I think especially this being a scientific career, right? There's so much uh, movement around getting women into STEM careers. And yes, naturally, it starts off with the sexy ones, coding, tech, but it's like, (laughs) there's an S folks. (laughs) There is an S in STEM, right? Um, And what does it look like to work with, with a scientific approach, with a logical mathematical approach? Like what does it look like for that? And how can you pair yourself up with careers that match if that is a strength of yours, a skill or a passion, as opposed to going, I have no clue how I would use science in a day job. So I'm just going to choose something else. Um, Now that's a really interesting point that you've made there because um, I did grow up in that household. My mum was a nurse. So my Mm. Um, my mom, I lost my mum last year, but she was just right. an amazing woman. And um, she was a nurse, but she also ran a hairdressing business and had a few salons as well. She did her nursing, mm. wouldn't give up her nursing, kept her nursing at night. But in the day, she was Mrs. Boss running a string Love of salons. It. So, you know, so I did grow up in that household but I knew that I didn't want to be a nurse I've got Mm -hmm. family members who are doctors and I knew that I didn't want to be a doctor because you never saw them that was my thing there were never family functions never Mm. around so I knew that that wasn't me and I thought nursing is such a wonderful job and a great career but it was just not quite fitting you know um 
So when I stumbled on perfusion, I knew that was perfect because it was that bit of both. And I felt that I would still have a life, you know, um, and still be able to be slightly in control of my day to day, even back then without really thinking about that element of it. It was obviously there in my mind. So it didn't manifest in that way, but it's just, it was just the perfect fit for me. Yeah, huge. And I love the fact that you had that example of multi-passionate careers from the beginning. How did that, I guess, make you feel? Because I know how it made me feel. How did it make you feel when you decided, right, it's time to do Room to Excel. It's time for me to start my business. So because my mum was quite entrepreneurial, even though it wasn't called that then, this is a new word, Mm -hmm. you know, she was <laughs> she was just a multi-career person who did because yeah. she also was a herbalist, you know, even though she was a nurse, mm-hmm. she was a herbalist. She knew what tea to drink for this and, you know, that kind of thing. So she was mm. that person, okay. And people would come and ask her, you know, oh, I'm not feeling well, you know. What um, should I take? So yeah. it, it's, it's quite interesting. So I had always had a passion about um, well-being and people. And I think that stemmed from even in perfusion as the role was because it was so specialised and quite often in the operating theatre, it was a um, almost like a culture where you would be there until the operations finished, you know, certainly in the early days. So it could be that you were there for more than what people define as a nine to five, you know, so you worked the hours you worked and it was fine. No one really thought anything about it. I certainly didn't. It wasn't something that, you know, came to me as an issue or anything like that. But it was... um, I had always had an interest in people and had done counselling over the years, like trained as a counsellor and that kind of thing. People got to know about it, you know, that I had been doing that. And I just could see myself becoming the go-to person where people would come and speak to me and, you know, that kind of thing, or relationship things, you know, because I was in and still am in a long-term relationship and people found that quite fascinating and was like, what's going on? How, how do you manage that? So I became that person. So we would just have these conversations and things like that. And then I thought, you know what, I'm going to set this up as a business. You know, um, I think it was my mum who said to me, as people keep coming and talking to you, you should set this up, you know? And I was like, yeah. So I, as working and Um, saw how people were becoming a bit more frustrated in work and so on over the years. And I was counselling them for free notes or kind of, you know. So I set up Room for Exhale and, um, you know, really was quite passionate about that. And the name Room to Exhale was really to give people that space to exhale. That's came about because you just want to breathe you know it's just it was just that so um I set room to exhale up and um you know was enjoying that experience just kind of had it ticking over in the background but um it was when I was uh badly bullied in the workplace 
that I knew why I had set that company up. If you know, if that makes sense, it was just like, this was your reason why you did that. Because now I could see all the other people who were going through things to that magnitude, you know, and feeling that they didn't have a place to express or didn't know how they could go about navigating their way through that. So that, for me, even though that wasn't the initial reason why I set it up, to me, it's almost like this is why this is here, you know. So it it was quite a profound moment when that happened, yeah. Yeah, it's creating that safe space, right? Um, And you don't know you need a safe space until you need it. Exactly. And you need it urgently. And it isn't a shiny, sexy workshop. It is literally just a space for somebody to go, what's going on with you? And for you to take a deep breath, look around and go, well, this is how I'm being treated and this is how I feel coming into work every day. Exactly. And I don't know what to do. Like a space to go, I don't know what to do. do. And the response is just be. Yeah. Just be. Just be. How do you feel? You know, that is that exhalation because I think it's so easy for us to jump to, maybe I should do something about it and I should be proactive and I should talk to this person and do that. And it's like, okay, 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 okay. One moment. (laughs) One moment. Just, Just take a moment and register how you feel right now. Yeah. And let that be before we move on to the next thing because you jumping into action doesn't change how you feel no Um, it it doesn't doesn't completely doesn't and people don't understand or realize until they've stepped into that space and just taken that moment and then sometimes you get all the emotion and everything else because they've just had that space where they can just you know, let it go, you know, so yeah. 100%. It's almost like empty in the drawer. Everybody's got that drawer in their house that everything just gets thrown into. (laughs) (laughs) And you close it with a quickness. Nobody should know that this drawer exists. Yeah. (laughs) But it's like, okay, shake it all out. Yeah. Okay, passports there. That's a safety pin. That's an old bus pass. That's a paper bus pass. Like, (laughs) you're just like, what's going on? feel messy I feel this okay let me see what I have here and take my time and sort through it yeah yeah in time I think there's an element of urgency that we live life with that in some sense this is very good like when we talk about ambition taking action creating the life that you want but also means that we we think that we don't deserve to take it slower yes Something has to be very wrong, you know? I can't complain, I can't complain. No, it's fine, I can't complain. I keep going. But it's like, no, you don't need to be broken or on the brink of hospital eh, words today. You don't have to be on the brink of a health crisis to deserve a break. But it's interesting because it's about giving yourself permission, okay? Mm. But also because um, not exclusively, but mainly my audience is health and social care professionals it's almost like Mm. the way we were trained and um you know we we provide service and uh value to patients and um 
you know, there is that culture of um, not necessarily asking for the help as well, because you have that clinical knowledge, you have that level of knowledge, and you're supposed to be able to know what it is you're doing. Know what, so it's almost, um, you know, asking for external help or any help is often a problem for some, you know, so that often feeds into that that delay of seeking what you need when you need it, you know. And do you actually realise that this is happening, you know, to you or, you know, yeah. Yeah, being in the identity of the helper. I'm the one that people come to. I'm the one that helps. I'm okay. I'll be fine. (laughs) You know, and it becomes a little bit of a house of cards, right? Because if you're the one that everyone comes to and if you don't give yourself that space, when you shut down, you really shut down. Yeah. I mean, it's like even when... Even when I was being bullied in the workplace, um, so because I had done a master's in psychology, was almost finished that master's in psychology when this was happening. Um, and so I I knew that this was happening and I was like, no, it's not happening. I must be imagining it. This person really isn't speaking to me like this or treating me this way. No, can't be, can't be, you know, kind of thing. And it's just like, you know, the acknowledgement of that, you know, still was like, is it really happening? Until you really, you know, step back and think, no, this is happening. And um, I thought, no, I'm not, I can't put up with this. So I did, you know, put the complaint in and everything. I was that person that took it further, even though I know lots of people don't, but I wasn't prepared to have this, you know, go on kind of thing. So, yeah. 100%. This episode is brought to you by Just Jazz Private Coaching, the six-month one-to-one experience for high achievers to carve their unique careers free from burnout, overwhelm and underwhelm. With challenging and curious conversations, we get knee deep in all the things getting in the way of you having a hell yeah career instead of a career that feels meh. If this sounds great to you, book a call today at justjazz.co forward slash coaching, where we will map out the what and how of working together. So for me, when I was bullied at work, the breakthrough moment was what I would describe having room to exhale. I was crying in the stairwell and a friend came out and I just, bleh, right? This is happening. I don't know what to do. Because again, it, it makes you question yourself because you think I'm not me. Why me? Like also, I've, I, it keeps happening and I, I don't do anything or I don't say what's in my mind to say and da, 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 da. And it goes into all of those things. But she just let me just word vomit all out. And then she was just like, I thought it was just me. That's how they treat me too. And then she, in turn, I was like, what? Tell me what, what's going on, right? And it was that space to just go, blah. And as two people who were friends and respected each other as well to kind of speak life into each other as well, because there was that element of, I cannot believe that this is happening to take away your spark. 
I cannot believe that this is what you are going through and that you of all people, what? You know, and not in a sense of, oh, how silly you, but in the sense of, no, this can't go on because if it's just two of us and, you know, no, I don't want to, I don't want to think of you feeling that way, getting ready to come into work. And I don't want that feeling for you. And it sort of strengthened us to then be able to go into action. But first we just gave each other permission to just go, this is what's going on. This is how I feel. This is what I'm worried about now. This is what I'm scared about now. These are all the things that I wish I could have said. (laughs) Um, and you know, all of those things allowed us to then, like I said, like sort out that top drawer and kind of go, well, how bad is it? Are you going to leave? Or do you want to speak up? If you speak up, well, like I'll speak up and how do we kind of go about there? But having that first space to just be, to just say, I am hurt and this is affecting me and I don't feel like myself and I don't feel excited to come to work and I don't. And being able to reflect that back so that even if you're tempted to go, but that bit's not that big of a deal, you've got someone else going, what? No, 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 no. no." (laughs) Again, to advocate for you when it's difficult to do that. Absolutely. And it, it is just, it is just that. And, you know, that recognition of, of that, that this is, you know, happening. And I think it was when, also the thing about you said with speak up, you know, because that was that was also an element of, you know, if you speak up, what's going to happen? And even when I spoke up to a more senior manager, they just kind of like, you know, took it and said, are you, like, are you sure? Are you really sure? You know, not really taking it seriously. So when you speak up to HR, that was another um, another layer, let's just say, because it was like, how could you take our problems in our department outside of the department? It was like your ear in the dirty laundry laundry and it's like well nobody was helping me you wouldn't speak to me you you would you know you didn't take it on when I was saying so it's that you left me no choice and it's that um part of giving yourself the permission you know to speak up for yourself and that's what I did it's the the best decision that I made even though getting from the that decision to the outcome was mm. a rocky road it's still the best decision i made you know in, yeah. in doing that absolutely definitely so yeah 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 and thank you so much for sharing that because i think we need that in order to create the workplace that we want to see and it is unfortunate that choosing to speak up is such a radical thing and it's faced with fear or you're airing our dirty laundry Mm, are you sure skepticism and in some cases even downright disbelief no no never not that person no um and that's what allows it to persist because it allows us to if we're not permitted to speak up if there aren't roots and methods for us to do that if we aren't supported in doing that then it keeps people in positions that they don't necessarily deserve to be in. And it keeps uh, experiences 
happening. And actually it, it gets to the point where it's actually more protective towards the person that is being toxic and is demonstrating that bullying behavior. And that is one of the most off-putting things known to man. Also, it's the type of thing you can kind of, maybe because we're both further in our career, but you can kind of sniff it a mile away when you enter a new work environment and you think, so what, nobody dis- ever disagrees with this person. Oh, okay. Oh, nobody disagrees with anybody. Everybody just has to be super agreeable to everybody. And I'm not talking about conflict. I'm talking about in your role, right? In your role, it's life and death. People are put on the highest of highest pedestals around how they conduct themselves. And I think the more of us that speak out, the more folks who are in HR that are welcoming these reports because they can see it in the data. They can see... People, when people, people leave, that's the default. That's, that's the, it's not easy per se, because it's not, not a decision that you take lightly to leave somewhere where you love and you're growing because you feel helpless in the experience, but they see the information. They go, what the hell is going on in that department? Why do we have so many people leaving? And then, you know, they sit in, if you work in an organization that does exit interviews at the end, exit interviews are like super vague. (laughs) <laughs> or people, you know, like, oh, you're going on to anything else? No. Yeah. <laughs> take some time out, you know, or they let it slip. They're going to take some time out to recover. It's like recover, but you didn't mention anything in this interview. To, what What did we do to you? Oh, no, nothing. It's just it's time for me to move on. So they see it. There are folks, there are folks in those teams looking at it and going, something is poisonous there. Something is rotten there. It's like a fruit bowl. You got one furry fruit that's my way yes. to describe it it's gone, yes. it's gone past brew, right it's now growing its own ecosystem right you got one furry fruit in that fruit bowl and it will slowly start to just rot everything around it and they don't know why so speaking up is important as well for those reasons but again like the anarchist in me i'm just like people should know that they can't treat people like that absolutely i mean and some I people don't say. know until yeah. And somebody, right, when we talk about privilege, a certain somebody saying it, because there are also yeah. situations where you can advocate for yourself and say, please don't speak to me like that. Or, yeah, exactly. I'm still talking when I finish my sentence and it's still happening. And yeah. sometimes it takes for somebody who's neck and neck with them to go, I've been made aware. I've been made aware. This can't be permitted. Yeah. And, you know, there is that um, that thing about the person who is the the bullying person that them having that layer of protection actually in some instances certainly that's how I felt and there is nothing in place for the victim so to speak you know for them they have they have to navigate this all themselves you know kind of thing so I would say that um it's not something that to be taken lightly, you know, and, you know, and there is a lot. And I can see why people don't speak up and why they don't, you know, take that on and why they leave like you've explained. And, you know, there's no information about that. But um, for me, I just thought, no, I have to stand up and speak up for myself Um and I think that's probably part of my upbringing as well, coming out of there, you know, and that 
had to had to happen. Um, and I'm I'm pleased that it did happen. You know, I I really am. And it wasn't a case of you know, like, oh, I really want that person to be dismissed or I really want... That was not what it was about. It's, it's a learning. It's, it really is a learning about, you know, behaviour and, um, you know, seeing people and really just knowing how to, to navigate that. And also, um, and I guess this is the psychology side of me that comes out, it was about really having having them have a reflection on their own behavior you know because they're clearly to me clearly there was something in that that needed to be looked at and where has that come from for them even though that is not any of my business per se at that time because I'm just focusing on me but it is something about about that as well so for me there was no point in them being dismissed or because there's no learning that for them. And then they go on and do that in the next place they work. They haven't learned from that. So it was a real thing of, you know, like, let's just, you know, try and get through this. But I did need to take some time out of work for that, actually, because it was a case of, um, you know, working in a high-functioning department but then I was high functioning because of all of this that was happening and I could I knew I was high functioning I knew I was behaving like this because of all the studies that I'd done but having taken that time away from work to navigate my way through that this is how I knew I was going to show up as a coach because this was that space okay that I had to navigate myself and do all that. So my coaching experience, that's another thing that, that happened where you, you know, you go and study psychology. You don't really know why you're studying it, but you're studying it. Yeah, I'm seeing you, you just collecting to, these different Yeah, you're just collecting these of expertise packages. just towards <laughs> something, but it, it can't, yeah, but it's, it's you, off in the distance, yeah. right? <laughs> and the, when and it's there, it's like, oh, room to excel. Yeah, exactly. And then it's just like, this is what it is. This is why, because now I'm actually off work, off sick, and I am doing all my work, as in my self-work, you know, Mm. that I've studied this and all of that. So I'm doing all my self-work on me, practicing all of that on me, working through all those different things that have happened and, you know, and that. I realised then that there is nothing for people out there who has been through that. So that's mm. my coaching niche is even though I say, you know, uh, mindset, burnout, etc. but it really, I really like to work with those people that have been off for a period of time and mm. don't know what their next step is. They don't know how to navigate yeah. that next step. Do I go back? Do I look for something new? Am I equipped Mm. mentally? Have I done all the, you know, all these things? Because you do need to do these things to be able to show up back in that workplace in a state where you are ready to, you know, to go to work because it's like it's about you. And, you know, that I think is what's missing. And that Mm. is where I help people. 
with that actually. It's huge because there's so many layers to that, even recognising that you have a choice because it can be easy to go, why well, I have to go back. I have to go back. What do, what do you mean? Why are you even asking me that? I have to go back. It's a job. It's a good job. I've been there for years. And then again, going back to, well, how does that serve you? How would that make you? Walk me through your first day. Walk me through the building. Walk me through how you feel walking through that building. What's coming up for you? What are your thoughts? Because I think that's one thing I've spent the past few months interviewing people about their experiences of burnout. And one thing that's shown up quite real is them recognizing that they now have a choice and that some relationships and some sense of safety and belonging have shifted because their organization have either showed up imperfectly for them, right? I.e. we've never dealt with this before, but I'm here anytime that you need me. Um, not showed up at all or ignored the fact that you were signed off for a reason. How can I support you coming back? And it creates an element of distrust that makes them think at the base level, am I still safe here? What was your part in me getting to this point? What was your part? Where were you complicit in me being bullied? Where were you complicit in um, me being discriminated against? Where were you complicit in my overwork? How many times did I ask you for help or for another team member to come on this project? Or did I say, I can't, I can't stay to, to complete this project? And what was your response? And actually in that moment going, actually, maybe this isn't the right place for me. Exactly. And again, like recognizing you don't have to go back into that same environment. Or indeed, sometimes the outcome is if I am to return to this company, it's a different role. Or if I am to return, we're going to have a candid conversation about the way that we're expected to work or the way that we're managed or the culture around quote unquote productivity or whatever it kind of is. But it's asserting yourself. Like one of the ways that I describe coaching is just a space to amplify your voice. Yes, definitely. And that's what it sounds like you do. Whereas, you know, especially mm -hmm. when you go through experiences like that, yes, we're talking about it as speaking up, but there's a lot in there there's a lot of censorship that has happened to that point. There's been a lot of things yeah. that you can't share. Or like when I was going through it, like I said, it wasn't until that moment I was crying in the corridor that anyone outside of me and my partner knew that this was happening. Yeah. It was yeah. a secret because I thought no one's going to believe me. Also, when I open my mouth, it turns into a thing. I don't want this on the gossip mill. I don't want anyone to think that I'm weak. Like, so let me just try and handle it myself. Completely. And, um, also, as well, it's about, I think the bit as well about having the choice and knowing what it is you want to do is quite important. But you've got to feel comfortable in that choice. Like, so because I had the knowledge and did the work that I needed to do um, to be able to go back, I chose to go back. I was, I'm, I, my attitude was like, why should I leave? You know, I didn't do anything wrong. Why should I leave, you know? And, but for me to go back, I needed to empower myself with that, you know, that you've done nothing wrong. You know, this should never have happened, you know, and you are a valuable asset to this workforce or, you know, whatever those things are, you 
you do start to question that. And although I had that time off, not once did was there any contact from the organisation like HR or anything or, you know, so you are alone in that. So, you know, doing your self-work, as I call it, you know, you really have to be able to navigate those things to be able to say, right, okay, I'm coming back. Yep. You know, and everybody was shocked. Oh, she's mm. back. You know, she's back. She's back. And it was like, so you have to be able to hold <laughs> yeah. your head high. And you have to be prepared for those uh, tea and coffee chats. Oh, yeah, those tea and coffee oh, chats. I see you. I saw you. But yeah. interestingly for me, when I came back, um, I had quite a warm welcome from, you know, members of my team. Um, and um, I had some people say to me, so how do you do it? How, what, if mm-hmm. this is happening to me, what do I need to do? You know, can you help me? Yes, these are the things you need to do. And whether it was the same person, which I'm not sure it was, but it may have been, you know, other feelings that they were having or concerns. But some of those people Mm. didn't speak up, felt that they couldn't speak up. But I can't speak up on your behalf. You know, you have to, do you know what I mean, speak up and be able to do that. So it's a really... Mm. um, it's a really interesting dynamic and it is quite uh, scary for some, mm. but you will, if you don't do anything about it, you will, there will come a point where you just implode almost, you know, yeah. and, and that is the bit that's the shame because it's, you know, it's your character and personality. And um, it's a shame if, if that happens and then, you leave a job that you really enjoyed doing and that you've worked so yeah. hard to get, et cetera. So, yeah. 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 Huge. I want to switch gears a little bit to you and, yes, the work that you do, but your career as a whole at the moment, what's it currently teaching you? So my career at the moment is um, is great, actually. Uh, the pandemic happened and... Um, I had a bout of illness and so I've been working in well-being in the organisation and um, that has been uh, great because it is something that I do outside the organisation but it Mm -hmm. has just really allowed me to help with serving people and when I say serving people I mean like us in the health and social care sector because it is a quite a different dynamic um in how the industry works and it's a it's a Mm. completely different culture and behavior to anything that I have uh seen before you know so it's really nice to be able to have these specialist things for those people that require it so um even though I haven't been clinical for a while, I feel like the, mm-hmm. the same level of service has been happening yeah. in a different aspect, which is just as needed, you know. So that has – and another thing that it's really taught me as well is that this is my place, you know. Mm. This is like you've done something for 
nearly 25 years and now you're moving on to the next phase of something and it feels like comfortable, like this is the next phase. You just feel like this is where you should be now, you know, so that feels great to me, Um, you know, and I'm just really enjoying that and seeing that side of, you know, of career and things and, Mm. you know, um, I'm very creative in I find found a new creativity in this. It's it's quite interesting yeah. actually, you know, and even yeah. developing things on my own uh business side, you know, mm. um, things that people need and want. So yeah, it's it's really, really great at the moment. Amazing. I love that. Ugh. Where can people connect with you and your work with Room to Exhale? So um, Room to Exhale, I do keep um, my business and career life quite separate. They are separate. So if anybody wants to get in touch with me about what I do, Room to Exhale, um, they can get hold of me either on my website, www.roomtoexhale.com, Instagram, Room to Exhale, and I also have a Facebook page, Room to Exhale, and I do various things um, with people in relation. I'm a mental health first aider instructor as well, so I run courses for that, people's mental wellness. I do coaching for, you know, groups and for individuals, mm-hmm. really bespoke work um, with around burnout mindset and people being able to get back to having a choice of which their next steps you know so it's it's fast but it's great great thank you so much for sharing all of your wisdom today your experience and your journey um i took a lot from it and i hope the listeners will too thank you so much for having me jazz it's been great loved the conversation and yeah, it's nice to be able to tell story, actually. And, you know, hopefully it can empower somebody else as well. So thank you. Don't forget to reach out with any gems you took away. My DMs and inbox are always open and waiting to hear. And if you liked this episode, you should probably join the crew. So sign up to the Monday Memo to get weekly messages that put you back at the center of your ambitious career. With passion-filled musings created to educate and inspire, you'll have everything you need to fuel your ambitious career this year. Go to justjazz.co forward slash join and I'll see you there. Thank you.